0: Here's some truth. Sometimes Christians get it wrong, but here's some grace. Falling short is okay when you know the Savior. Grace and truth are the cornerstones of the gospel. Let's talk about why we need both today as we wrap up our series. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. and life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and as always, so thankful that you are joining us today. Hey, we believe you are where you need to be as you are listening to this episode today, and we are praying that God will give you a reason, a purpose of why he's placed you where you are uh, listening this today. Hey, um, I believe that if Jesus came full of grace and truth, we as his followers should be full of grace and of truth, right? But unfortunately, we don't always get it right. And so today I pray that God's word would bring correction and encouragement to us. So today's uh, episode is titled, When Christians Get It Wrong. So here's what I want you to do. We know uh, for years our country has been known as a Christian nation, right? God bless the USA and such, right? But unfortunately today for a growing number of Americans, they would not say we're a Christian nation there's a large percentage of people that would actually identify as what people call post-Christian. Now, to bring context to what post-Christian is, This isn't necessarily the same as being agnostic or being an atheist, okay? A post-Christian is someone who has had some connection with Christianity. In other words, they might have been baptized in the church. They might have been confirmed in the church. They might have gone to a Christian school. They might go to church on Christmas and Easter or whatever, okay? A post-Christian is someone who's had some exposure to Christianity, but they've chosen to reject it. It's not that they don't know. The problem is that they know about Jesus and they don't care. It's post-Christian, and so for a long time we've considered, uh, we've been considered a Christian nation. Now, unfortunately, faith in Christ has moved from what those would consider the center right to the more the fringes, and it's shifted from being something that many people see as a positive to something that's even considered to be a threat by some people. In fact, just the term Christian doesn't necessarily mean what it meant a lot of peop- to a lot of people a lot of years ago, okay? And, and if you're what's called an evangelical Christian, that's often interpreted to mean someone who's hateful or bigoted or judgmental, full-blown hypocrite, maybe someone who's very, very dangerous. So the question that I want to raise today is this, how do we faithfully represent Jesus in a post-Christian culture? If we're followers of Christ, how do we represent him in a way that honors God and dignifies people in a culture that's becoming more hostile towards Christ? I think you would have to agree that we're in a very politically divided time, and a divided world needs a united church, okay? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that it doesn't matter who's in office, right? President, Senate, House of Representatives, governor, mayor, whatever, okay? Our mission as Christ followers never, ever changes. And so what is our mission? Well, let's take a look at John chapter 1, verse 14. Here's what this says. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, after looking at that scripture, I would say our mission is this, that we are called to live in love with grace and truth. Okay, let me say it again. I think we're, we're called to live in love with grace and truth. In fact, John 1, 14, let's look at it again. Let's see. listen to what it says. We've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. He was full, right? So how many of you know somebody who's full of something, right? <laughs> now, I don't want to know what they're full of, okay? But when Jesus came, he was full. In fact, the word in the Greek, the word full is translated as the word plaris, and it means to to fill to the brim, abounding in, thoroughly full, okay? If you've ever seen a glass of, you know, uh, some liquid, like a glass of water filled completely to the top, I mean to right to the edge, if you were just to jiggle that glass, uh, it, it would overflow because it's so full. Well, if you get anywhere close to Jesus or the people of Jesus, we should be so full, right, Pleris of grace and truth that you can't even touch us without overflowing with this grace and this truth. So why does it matter that he came full of grace and truth? Why does it matter? It matters because grace saves, right? And, and and truth frees, right? What does grace do? Grace saves. And what does truth do? Truth frees, all right? So if Jesus came full of grace and full of truth, then we as followers of Jesus should be full of grace and full of truth the problem is we often haven't gotten it right i know i haven't in fact if you ever find yourself saying i don't like some christians i'm with you you know uh, a lot of them drive me crazy too and the reason is because we often live in one of the extremes we live on the extreme side of truth or we live on the extreme side of grace jesus didn't come with just one he came with both and if you take truth and some of you, truth is great, truth sets you free, truth is powerful. But some Christians, if they're all truth, maybe uh, maybe you've noticed how they can be kind kind of uh, become uh, mean, you know, like out of touch and judgmental. If, if they're all truth, they're, they are kind of like, brother, you've got to have the truth, right? And you have nothing, you are not living the truth, and, and you are not dressing right and behaving right, and you're not living the truth, right? They got to have their truth. And the Bible says it, right? And they are not believing and that settles it, right? So if they're not believing what the Bible says it, and the truth of what it says, then, then that settles it, right? And so if you're, not, if you're dressing funny and smoking the funny weed and doing the funny thing and you're going to go to hell where the worm never dies and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, the Bible says so, right? That's the truth. How many of you know somebody like that, right? If you ever seen somebody like that, right? If, I, I, I know I have, right? It's truth without grace. The other side, though, is it's it's grace, right? It's like, hey, it doesn't matter what you do. God loves everybody. We're all sinners, right? So who are you to judge me? What I mean is you do you boo boo and I'll do me, right? It's all grace, but no truth. And these two extremes create two extremely big problems. And so I want to talk to you for a moment about these problems, because this is how we as Christians often don't get it right, okay? So the first problem is this. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. Let me say it again. Truth without grace leads to rebellion. If we're just truth, 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 with no empathy, no understanding, no love, no grace, people reject that and rebel hard against it. In fact, if you want to see Christians get it wrong, look at a really religious, religious legalistic home, right? And, And what do you almost always see from the children? You see rebellion. If you lead your family with rules and religion without relationship, it's truth without grace. And so it leads to rebellion. And that's one extreme problem. The other problem is this grace without truth leads to relativism. Okay. Let me say that one again. grace without truth leads to relativism. Well, what is that? What is relativism? That's the belief that there is really no such thing as absolute truth. If there's no such thing as absolute truth, then there's my truth and your truth. And so therefore, since there's no truth, you can't tell me and God can't tell me how to live because there's no such thing as truth. So grace without truth leads me to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're happy. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody because grace without truth means there's love and acceptance without any type of definitive standard right so so how do we respond today how do how do we normally respond today well unfortunately what's really common is uh it's i call it the philosophy uh, of get you a little jesus you know, this is how we we tend to respond a lot of times. We say, we get you a little Jesus, just a little, right? Small doses of Jesus, enough to make you feel better about yourself. Watch your little Instagram clip of your favorite preacher, a minute and 14 seconds. And if it's really good, give it a little tap, tap, you know, a little heart. You might even give it a little amen, some praise hands, whatever you want to do, just a little bit, right? Read the verse of the day on the Bible app. Just don't lose your streak. You know, get get you a little verse, not a lot, not so much that it encourage you, encourages you or equips you or convicts you or transforms you, not so that the word renews your mind and transforms your life, just enough to make you feel better about yourself. Just a, Just a little verse of the day. A verse of the day keeps the devil away, right? <laughs> right? You know, maybe come to church every now and then if there's nothing else going on. You know, don't serve, don't be involved, don't be generous, don't give. Just kind of come and watch if there's not something better going on, right? Just come if you can. Just get you a little Jesus. Get enough of Jesus to make you feel better about yourself, but not enough to make you different. When Jesus came, he came with grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Therefore, we as followers of Christ are called to live in love with grace and truth. Well, what does grace do? Grace saves and truth frees, right? Well, what is grace? What exactly is grace? Grace comes from the root, uh, root Greek word, charis, and it is this. It's the undeserved kindness, favor, and the goodwill of God. It's the loving kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's not truth that leads to repentance. It's the kindness and the grace of God. And here's the key. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. There's nothing you can do to earn it. The moment you think you deserve grace, that's not grace anymore. Grace saves. In fact, scripture says clear in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Here's what I find interesting about scripture. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Well, which one is listed first? Well, if you look, grace is listed first. Now I can't prove this but I believe there are not a whole lot of quinces in the Bible but I'm guessing that perhaps grace came first because of of followers of Jesus. Right as followers of Jesus we lead with grace and then we proclaim proclaim truth, right? We lead with grace and then we proclaim truth. Let me illustrate it this way, okay? think think about all the people that that you you work with okay think about all the all the people that maybe you go to church with and work with right Uh, maybe you're sitting by someone right now and, and so i want you to look at them and think about these these people and i want you to ask yourself who of the people do you know think uh that you know needs grace right the people that you work with, people that you, uh, your friends, maybe family, maybe the people riding with you right now if you're in a car or sitting in the home or whatever. Those people, of those people, who do you think needs grace, right? Let me go through some suggested scenarios of the people around us. Maybe you, you know someone who um, is a, a wife and a mom who is a great mom and a fantastic wife, and she's got a friend that she loves and hates. Maybe maybe you have friends like this where she's jealous of her friend, and so she's really nice to her friend's face, but she often gossips behind her back, you know? Do you think this woman maybe needs grace for her sin? And her husband, he's a great guy. He's really good at business, and he's so good at business. And, and one of the reasons he's good at business is because he kind of likes money a lot, right? Unfortunately, even though he's successful in business, he's really not successful in generosity. The guy's probably greedy. Maybe, maybe you know an older lady who leads a, you know, a small group or life group. Very godly lady, but she's still mad at her mom and she can't forgive because her mom was overbearing and controlling and in some ways was emotionally abusive and she just can't let it go. And so I wonder if that person needs grace. Grace. Maybe you've got a person or a friend, and they're a college party animal, and, and anywhere there's beer, they're there. Anywhere there's music, they're thumping it out. Anywhere there's girls, he's going after them. There's guys, she's going after them, right? And, he's, and they're doing the things that they're embarrassed by and hurting people, but, but they just don't care because it's all about them. And then there either there's that really religious guy that you know who's honestly he's not doing anything of that stupid stuff. He's he's way beyond that. He's been walking with Jesus for a long time and he's really pretty holy. Except he's thinking about people, judging all these other losers, right? He doesn't like that maybe she voted in a different way and he doesn't like their behavior and he can't figure out why they're getting served when they're living that way, right? So ask yourself, who needs grace? Think about all the people and ask yourself, which one of the people that you know needs grace? And now ask yourself right now, do you need grace? You see, sometimes inadvertently the church gets it wrong. And without meaning to, what we end up doing is saying you have to behave first. This is a lot like the church that I grew up in. I, I grew up in a Catholic church. It was really funny. If you look at it, there was all these implied rules. You know, nobody said it, but you better follow them, right? Anybody hope you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, one was you couldn't smoke on the inside of the church. You, you, you could smoke. It's okay. You can, you can smoke, but you had to go outside in the back so nobody could see you, right? And that's where all the leaders went to smoke, right? It was pretty funny. They were all in the back smoking, right? It was an implied rule right another one was you had to dress a certain way you couldn't look bad you had to look the best right you also had to look like you be- you like being there right oh it's it's a joy to be here even though you know it's the most boring thing ever you know and here was this implied rules right if if you behave and believe then you can belong and you can belong as long as you behave but if you stop behaving we'll gossip about you and call it prayer right Okay. Or if you don't believe the way we do, you got to go to another church. You need to find your way out of here. Right. And you no longer belong here. So you can belong if you behave and believe, but this isn't the gospel. Is it? Jesus doesn't say change your life and become perfect. And then follow me. He says, come to me as you are, and I will reform, change and give you life. And that's why sometimes we get it wrong. And need to adjust our thinking that we're going to lead with grace and what we want our churches to be is a place where people can belong even before they believe because it's grace that saves now I know what some of you are thinking. This this could be so dangerous, Dan, because then, then, you know, then people, if we don't have any standards, then can, people can do anything they want, right? You're, you're telling us we have no standards, so just do what you want. No, that's not what I'm saying. Paul, Paul actually addressed this question and challenge in Romans 6.1. He asked the question. He said this. He asked this. What shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? And Paul answers it right after that. He says, by no means. We are those who've died to sin, How can we live in it any longer? You see, we lead with grace and we proclaim truth, right? The challenge with truth to a post-Christian generation is post-Christians are often skeptical about truth. They would tell you that anyone who claims to know truth is arrogant at best and maybe even dangerous at worst. Here's what we have to understand. That truth isn't restrictive. It's not repressive. It's not oppressive, okay? Truth is freeing. It's liberating. It's absolutely and completely life-giving. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and the Garden of Eden, God looked at Adam and even said, I did good. Go be fruitful and multiply, right? He said, you could enjoy anything in the garden. Just stay away from this one tree because if you eat of that, your eyes are gonna be open. You're gonna lose your innocence. You're gonna have a spiritual death. In other words, his rule wasn't to limit their fun. It was to protect them and to set them free. He said, stay away from danger. Enjoy my creation. His rules were loving and freeing and liberating and life changing. Truth isn't just rules. Truth isn't just regulations and morals. Believe it or not, truth is a person, right? Truth is not just a what. Truth is a who, right? It says Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Truth is a person. Grace saves, truth frees. Grace saves and truth freeze. So if you think about the people that that you were thinking about earlier, okay? Maybe it's in your home, maybe the people that you work with, maybe it's your family and your friends that uh, are close with you, right? Which one needs grace? And which one needs truth? Can I just be transparent again with you guys for a second? I love to be transparent to people. It's been one heck of a year and a half or so, right? Uh, how many, how many of you would agree with that, right? So, some, some of you are already going, "Amen, Dan, Amen." Right now, I can hear it now. You know, I, I have to be honest. Leading this church and 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 has been more complicated than I can describe. I've I've talked about this before, but here's what I have to say. <laughs> I promise you, next time we experience a different global pandemic, social unrest, racial injustice, and political vision in an election year, I'm going to be so ready, right? I'm gonna have the plan then. I'm i man, I'm, I'm gonna have it descripted out. I'm I'm gonna be ready, so ready for it. But this year, this year and a half has been so complicated. And there's so many times where I've second guessed my spiritual leadership. You know, so how did I how did I get through this? Well, the grace of God and his love just sustains me. And his truth has spoken to me over and over and over again. It said, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, make your prayers, your requests, your petitions known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, your mind, your soul in Christ Jesus. Right? Grace and truth. The truth. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The truth. Trust on the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Just cling to me in all your ways. Acknowledge the goodness of God and he will make your path straight. I'm so thankful that, that Jesus came full of overflowing grace and of truth, right? Who is Jesus? He is the word made flesh full of grace and full of truth. The truth, the chain-breaking, sin, sin-shattering, intimacy-building, life-giving truth of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And his grace is so undeserved. It's actually scandalous, right? He would comfort sinners, love the outcast, touch the lepers, befriend prostitutes, and I'm so thankful for his grace. His truth. You see, a post Christian generation is rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting a distorted view of ju- who Jesus is from a church that hasn't always gotten it right. See, I, I got to share with you at Chandler Acres, you're welcome here with anything. Whatever you're facing questions, your hurt, your baggage, your sin, your addictions you're welcome here. You're welcome to our church. You're welcome to our podcast. But here's the deal you're also going to hear the truth. in his name is Jesus and he sets us free, and he changes us. And if you see Jesus as he really is, I think you'll want to follow him as well because he is the word made flesh. We've seen his glory, and he's full of grace, the undeserved favor, goodwill, and kindness of God, and the uncompromised truth that sets people free. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. This also includes our series on In God, we trust. I hope you'll join us next week as we start a new series called Elisha. I hope we'll t- see you then, and we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast in Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at